Good morning, everyone. As a youth worker, I had many discussions with young people about what they thought it meant to be a Christian, many of which just thought that God was a bit of a killjoy whose do's and don'ts were boring, were irrelevant, were restricting or just really life limiting. Of course, these opinions aren't just limited to young people. It's just teenagers sometimes can be a lot more direct and willing to share their feelings without holding back. Human beings have always had a great deal to say about what they think is right or wrong, about what behaviour is acceptable or not, about what language is appropriate, and dare I say it, even what action should be taken uh, to protect a country in the middle of a pandemic. You only have to listen to Radio 5 in the morning as passionate people phone in desperate to give their opinions and make judgments about one another, talking over each other, attacking governments or individuals or organisations and insisting that their views are the correct ones. This week, we've reached a point in Exodus when God gives Israel law, the, his law for them to live by. It's not just in chapter 20, but in the next five chapters ahead. They've made it to the foot of Mount Sinai and God in all his power and holiness has descended on top of the mountain to speak to Moses and to his people. The original Hebrew describes the Ten Commandments as ten words, ten words which God speaks for his people to hear and to follow, ten words which throughout history have been the basis for much of our moral laws and which many would still consider to be morally good standards to live by. The laws we have in this country are under a conservative government and they tell us something about what matters to that government. It tells us what they believe in and they reflect the, the, the lawgivers, the conservatives. But these Ten Commandments in this passage reflect their lawgiver. They tell us of God's character and his standards, of who he is and what matters to him. They communicate the character of our divine creator God, who, whose power and holiness are so awesome that his people cannot come before him without limits being put to protect them. In my discussions with teenagers about Jesus, it was common for people to think that being a Christian was about keeping the Ten Commandments. And either the young people just weren't interested in doing that because they thought God's law was outdated, or they knew they couldn't, or they just couldn't be bothered to try because it felt too hard. This misunderstanding is central as we look at these commandments. They're not laws given that people might finally get saved by God if they keep them properly, but there are instead rules for a free people to, to help them to stay free. They're a bit like traffic laws. They're there to keep us safe. I don't know that anyone would think that we should live without traffic lights or road crossings or signs that warn us when to slow down or to stop. When we're driving up a mountain road, aren't we glad for the barrier that stops us falling over to our death? Or when we go past a school or through a town, aren't we grateful for signs that tell us what's ahead so that we can protect others around us? All those traffic laws have been given to us at great expense for our good that we may travel about freely and safely. And so too these commandments are given to God's people, given to the people that he's rescued because they're precious, treasured possession. 
and he wants them to live freely and safely in the best way possible. And love is the reason that God gives his people the law, not to limit them, but that they might be free to enjoy a relationship with him. Let's briefly consider two important factors that I think mean that the commandments are not outdated and irrelevant in the 21st century, but to be taken seriously by Christians who are seeking to follow Christ wholeheartedly. Firstly, they show us who God is and how we should relate to him. And secondly, they show us what matters to God and how we should relate to others. So first, they show us who God is and how we should relate to him. All the commandments speak to us to some extent of the character of God, but it is on the first four that we'll focus. God begins by reminding his people that he is the true rescuer and consequently there is no other like him, no other with the power to rescue and to save. The Canaanite gods were numerous but powerless, whereas the power of the God of Israel, which saves his people from oppression and death in Egypt, is now displayed on Mount Sinai for all to see. He has no rival and he's deserving of Israel's whole heart and life. No man-made image will do justice to his character and his power and only he can make moral distinctions of right and wrong and bring judgment on humankind. As such, he's treated to be treated with honour and respect that he deserves no one should speak flippantly of God. No one should misuse his name. He's the Lord of every day of the week, the creator of all, the one who worked to bring the world and people into being and the one who graciously encourages his people not only to work, but to rest also. Do these four commandments still apply and show us how to relate to God today? I'm confident that they do. Jesus himself summed them up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. That is the call of the Christian, to love God because he's first loved us. As Israel was rescued from Egypt, so we've been rescued from the slavery of sin and brought into relationship with God, who is still unmatched in power and might and rules over all people. No one and nothing will match him and nothing we set up as an idol before him will give us satisfaction or security that knowing him does. Not money, not respect, not beauty, not fame, not success, not even personal confidence, nothing. It will all fade away. Do we love God with everything we have and we are? Do we love him when things are tough? When we're frustrated by another lockdown, wondering if he's going to answer our prayers or maybe fearful of the weeks ahead. Everything around us may feel insecure and may change, but he is and always will be our faithful saviour, rescuer, God, our Lord. And he's deserving of our worship and our trust, even when life's a struggle. The other six commandments show us what matters to God and how we should relate to others. They remind us to treat others with love, uh, the love that we've received because God has first loved us. They speak to us of respecting authority so that relationships may thrive and flourish in families. And they emphasise purity and faithfulness in marriage. We shouldn't murder 
but neither should we destroy a person by our hateful word or attitude. They remind us that everything we have comes from God and that we've no right to take from others or to lie or to speak about others in a way that tears them down or demeans them rather than building them up. They remind us that God is the giver of life and therefore all relationships matter and we treat one another with respect and care, valuing one another's possessions and trusting that God will provide us with all that we need. God created people for relationship with himself and to live well in relationship with others. That's why Jesus sums up uh, these six commandments by saying, love your neighbour as yourself. At the time when so many have lost their jobs and can't feed their children or are feeling hopeless or despairing, we've got an incredible opportunity in the weeks ahead to love our neighbour to put these commandments into practice and to make a difference. We can demonstrate our faithfulness to God as we stand alongside those that are struggling and seek to live lives that witness to Jesus. Instead of wishing things were different or of coveting what others got, we can share what we have generously, giving to others rather than grabbing for ourselves. And we're going to take an opportunity throughout Advent to to do this very practically, to love our neighbour in two particular ways as a whole church family. We're going to firstly reach out to our whole parish with a gift of love in a difficult time to show them that we care, that Jesus brings light into a dark world. And that's going to involve us visiting all the parish, one home by home. And the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to support some of the poorest families who live in our parish in a really practical way by giving them food uh, for the Christmas period. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to be involved in that. So please keep your eyes open for ways in which uh, for the follow up to this so that you can find out a bit more. When we read these commandments, we know immediately that we can't keep them, don't we? I know that I don't love God the way I'm called to and I know in my selfishness I don't always have the heart of God. Remember the tax collector in Luke's gospel crying, Lord have mercy on me a sinner. He knew as we all do that he did not keep the commandments and that he needed help. You see we do have this missional opportunity when we get talking about the Ten Commandments with people because they remind us every time that we need a saviour. Romans chapter 3 says, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. We become conscious of our inability to love God with everything that we are, and we become conscious of our inability to love others with that generous, faithful, self-giving love. And in recognising this, we have the opportunity to point others to the only one who's kept the law perfectly, and the one who died for us that we might be forgiven for our failure to do so who's rescued us from the consequence of our sin, the Lord Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are not saved by keeping the commandments, because we just can't do it. 
But these 10 words of God are still powerful and relevant. They tell us what God is like and what matters to him. And we have the privilege of knowing Jesus, the one to whom they point. As we rejoice in knowing him, in knowing that our salvation is not dependent on keeping the law, let us seek to give God all our devotion, all our love, and love our neighbour as ourselves by works, by our work, by our deeds, by our words, by the way we live, longing to that they might come to know Christ, the Saviour of the world. Amen.